I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're on the commute, whether you're on the gym, whether you're walking your dog, wherever you happen to be, I appreciate your time and and your enthusiasm for what it is that we're doing here. Now, learning, as we know, is changing all the time and schools are looking different, both in a traditional sense, but also the way we learn is also changing. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Ashley Harold, who's the executive head at King's Inter High. And he's overseeing the continued development of this leading online school. He is an experienced head teacher, having successfully led Blatchington Mill School in Ho, Sussex, for six years before joining King's Inter High. He qualified as a history teacher at University College London's Institute of Education in 2008 and taught in London before moving to Sussex. He is skilled in school improvement and committed to inclusivity and excellence, with a clear focus on developing the whole learner. Ashley's leadership is rooted in the belief that learning is a transformative force for good and is driven by the highest expectations of all students. So with that in mind, here's exactly how that's being implemented as part of an online school. Hi Ashley, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. This is um, something which I'm really interested and excited to chat about because in the in the recent couple of years of course with COVID we've had this whole idea of online learning and blended learning but to have something which is specifically set up and fit for purpose with that is the sort of start, starting point is amazing so yeah thank you so much for being here first of all. No problem at all it's, it's lovely to have a chat today Mark. So tell us what is Kings into High what's its premise how does it differ from anything else which is out there? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So King's Inns High is a fully online school for students from Key Stage 2 all the way through to Key Stage 5. Um, and it's an online school that's been running since 2005. So it's got quite a, a heritage of online work where students have successfully completed their studies and, and gone on to, to further careers. It's, a, a, as you say, a very different proposition from something that's a blended approach where you'd have the, the sort of um, you know, physical school trying to make that work online. It's been built uh, from scratch online um, and, and offering an online education to students in the UK and around the world. We, we operate two timetables, uh, one on the UK uh, time zone and one on Gulf Standard Time. Um, and yeah, serving a, a really wide range of students who are with the school for very different reasons. So I guess the first question that springs to mind is, how does it work practically? Are we talking virtual classroom lessons where everyone's turning up live and, and, and having that experience? Or is it a set of resources and classes that you dip in and out to? Or is it a combination of both? Yeah, so so fundamentally, uh, the, the premise behind how we work is that we think live teaching is, is absolutely crucial, uh, particularly online. You really have to have those personal connections and you've got to be adaptive. You have to be able to react and support students um, based on what they bring to the lesson. There's no 
sort of possible way that teaching can be better if it's pre-planned fully and that you have a sort of discrete set of resources that students just access. That's great, but actually we believe that you, you have to have that two-way interaction to get the very best out of it. So the teaching's all live. Uh, we all have you know, fully qualified teachers and, and subject experts who teach live. Where we do find flexibility though is we record everything we do. And so we find that lots of our students are able to catch up on lessons again if there's something they wanted to go back to. Or equally, we do have a group of students who are called library learners who will access their, their learning on a, on a shifted timetable. So they might do some live and some uh, from recordings. Now, that works brilliantly if they are students who have another interest outside of school. So we've got really talented uh, sports students who, who are pursuing a career in, in competitive sports and they, they fit it around their training. We've got students who are, you know, sort of we've got a, a professional chef. He's on CBBC with his own show and he fits his filming and his, his chefing around Amari McQueen. And we've got these students who they just they find that education can be flexible in a way that it can't in it in a fully physical setting. So yeah, the premise is live teaching, that's really important. But then with the recordings and the way that we we set the kind of additional tasks and independent work, students have got some flexibility around it as well. I think the key thing for me there was the fact that those interactions and those relationships because that's a real key thing that we hear time and time here on education on fire that the things that people remember are those the conversations the relationship the the understanding that you see me i see you you know and and, and like i say that that comes from you know we're, we're in essentially you know people that want to spend time together and and technology now gives us the chance to do that online but the human connection is still there. And, and, and I think that's such a key factor. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's it's definitely, um, I think learning as, a, as an iterative process requires uh, the combination of, of, of people sort of really carefully thinking around what, what it is that's trying to be taught, but at the same time, who are really alert to what a student's bringing to that space. And one of the, the sort of founding principles behind how we work is that the school should adapt to the students and that we should be, you know, sort of student focused in the way that we plan. So, um, you can't sort of turn up with just a fixed idea of, of how you're going to do it. It's that old classic empty vessels uh, analogy, isn't it? Where, you know, sort of filling students with knowledge, um, that, that's not really the way that we operate. We operate on the basis of, of finding where a young person is to begin with, finding out what their interests and their passions are, and then meeting them on that learning journey so that they, they have interaction all the way through. I mean, we do teach a, a, a full British curriculum. It's a, a very standard curriculum in many ways, but it is absolutely around understanding how we can do that for students who've got very different backgrounds and different lives and, and interests and and that that really is essentially you know where great learning starts isn't it that that idea that we're learning for ourselves you know yes you know we need that knowledge we need the understanding we need the skills but actually we're we're experimenting in life and, and taking on board what we need like I say within that sort of support and confines of of what as the grown-ups in inverted commas we we, we know is going to be important so many teachers will have had access to you know zoom lessons or google classroom or, or whichever version teams that, that they've been doing so do you have your own platform how, how does it work because you're able to obviously set it up purposefully in order to get the best results yes absolutely i mean we, we use a huge combination of systems it's um behind the sort of uh, scenes sort of under the hood as it were there's an awful lot going on so we've got sort of roughly sort of 150 to 160 different pieces of software or or kind of um, experience uh, that 
combined through our own sort of custom front ends and platforms for, for students to access. Um, the sort of bulk of, of the heavy lifting is done through a piece of software called Adobe Connect. And we use Adobe Connect because it's got you know, huge potential around communication within there. So you can have cameras on and you can, you can see each other, but equally it's got some great different features around chat pods, Q and A's, ways of communicating in different ways. And I think coming back to that principle of, of meeting the students where they are, for some students, they find um, school a real challenge. And we, we do uh, look after groups of students where a physical school hasn't worked for them. Perhaps they've experienced bullying or they've had a, a poor experience in some other way. And they require some really careful and sensitive support. And so we have a kind of contribution type um, that we ask from parents and students. And some of our students communicate with us through the text because that's the, the way in which they feel confident to do so. And for some of our learners um, with, with special educational needs, that's a really empowering um, thing for them because they are being listened to but in a way that works for them. So there's not a kind of one size fits all. Everybody interacts in the same way. And we know, you know lots of experience over the last few years where people have talked about things like Zoom fatigue and how, how difficult it is to move those those day to day interactions into an online uh, setting. And anyone that's been sat in, you know, uh, hour upon hour of online meetings will, will know what, what that feels like. So there's a lot of thought and, and care that goes into thinking around those different contribution types. But yeah, the, the core platform that we go through Adobe Connect, but we've been doing Doing some some really interesting work through a group that we have on staff called the Learning Development Team, the Learning Development Program, um, and that is a, a group of innovators, um, a mix of teachers and, and planners who really go out and experiment. They they look for you know new software, new tools, new techniques, and and they work out how we can implement it um, within within our teaching and learning. So uh, a really interactive experience for students with lots of different um, ways of contributing. I, I, I love the flexibility and, and the way you're talking about that and, and the continual development as well. So if there are people wanting to be involved in this, for example, um, like you say, it might be that you can't attend this particular time because you have an extra um, commitment outside, whether it's sport or whatever those things happen to be. So is there sort of a, a point person that that parents or or, or, or the people organising it can say, oh, this is how it needs to look for us. And, and then you kind of work around from there. How, how does that sort of work sort of practically? Yes, yeah, so, so two parts with that, Mark. So we've got a, in, in the kind of sign up process and when students are joining us, we, we've got a, a timetable team who will work with the family to kind of, you know, find the timetable that works. And we're quite a large um, school with sort of over 4,000 students across um, the whole piece at this stage. And so with that scale comes a lot of flexibility around when lessons can happen. So there's a timetabling team that sort of designs the timetable around the student and then on an ongoing basis we've got some pastoral systems which on, on the sort of surface look very familiar from any school setting so the students have a tutor um, we call them a reflect tutor um, and they run a reflect program uh, of sort of you know wider student development and support um, across the year so looking at, at sort of personal growth uh, topics in in those um those sessions each week it's like a tutor group would be in a school where you've got that kind of camaraderie and and, and group of, of peers that you see more regularly um, and that reflect tutor is the sort of the key person to contact for that that child they they take ownership of of, of their sort of uh, journey through the school and so they they act as the the main point of contact with home as well and then we do we do sort of all the fun things that you normally do so assemblies clubs societies 
um, extracurricular activities, all of those um, happen as well. And because uh, King's Inns High has been um, acquired as part of the Inspired Schools Group, which is a, a network of physical schools, we also have access to some in-person events and, and, and things that happen as well. So we've got the first residential um, for, I think, three years, uh, sort of post-COVID, uh, happening at Easter in, in a few weeks' time. And huge excitement for some of our students who've worked online to come and come together in a physical space and do kind of outward-bound type of adventures as well. So there's quite a broad and, and rich sort of variety of things going on. You've got that kind of, on the one hand, flexibility in an international cohort of students, and on the other hand, lots of, of sort of small school feeling and, and personal attention. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. And and like you say, with, with that number of um, students and, and that kind of flexibility, you really, can, like I say, you can serve whatever the, the scenario happens to be. Um, and, and I guess my, my next question is, I'm just sort of thinking in terms of, like you said, there are certain people who have been in mainstream schools who then want to do it um, online for various different reasons. What What is the kind of the the background of people that come to you? Does it start from the fact we just don't want to do school? Is it always that they've been to school and they're then looking for something else? Is it because they're traveling? What sort of sort of scenarios do they sort of start with? Yes, it's a great question. And, and we talk about this quite often. Obviously, we, we want to understand, uh, you know, our students and, and, and what's drawn them uh, to the school. And it's ultimately the, the, the quick answer is every single possible reason you could think of. We've seen uh, the slightly sort of more nuanced answer is it tends to fall into broader categories. Um, so sort of one category is uh, mobile students, so internationally mobile students who want their education to be consistent. So they're moving for whatever reason, parents' jobs or, or other reasons around the world. Um, and so that kind of school to school, making new friends and, and relearning, you know, curriculum matching between schools, that that kind of uh, problem solving, um, they, they're with us for that. And they so they are internationally mobile. And we have, you know, students who, who have joined lessons from the top of mountains, we've got students who've joined us from on a ship. And, you know, just because they are, that's their lifestyle and, and that's what they're doing. We've got a family of, of surfers, uh, Ben Larg and, and, and his sister, who they travel the world um, surfing and so actually you know they, they take their lessons with them so that's one one key demographic another key demographic um, for us are students who are not living in the UK but want to follow UK qualifications as that pathway to university and, and, and further employment beyond there so that's a, a key group of students um, for us we've got the group of students that, that I mentioned earlier where schools perhaps not worked out, and that's a very diverse group in there. There's, there's a whole load of reasons. We've obviously seen um, some people who've struggled with uh, disruption from COVID and, and with sort of, you know, a changed experience of, of school over the past few years and, and found it difficult to go back in. And within that group as well, unfortunately, you know, uh, childhood anxiety and mental health concerns for young people are a, a really uh, serious uh, topic and a really growing area. So we are seeing lots of students where we're supporting them because anxiety has unfortunately um, become a, a very large part of, of their life. So within that group, there's probably the most diversity of, of need. And then the, the last group are students who have this passion or this this pursuit in, in you know, something that, that's particular to them. And, and sports is, is a great example of it. You know, students who are in football academies and they're balancing their studies alongside it. Um, so, you know, Anna Hersey, the, the table tennis superstar, is one of our students. And she, you know, obviously touring and playing and practicing all, all the same time, skiers, it, the, the whole remit there, but also passions in a wider sense. So, you know, uh, actors um, and actresses, 
who are taking part in in TV or film, um, and, and they need their studies to fit around it. Um, and you know, as I said, you know, examples like um, sort of students who are already um, TV presenters in their own right. So it, it's just that that really diverse group of students. But those four broad areas are the, the, the kind of most common that we see students joining us from. And it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because if you are in that scenario where you're looking for that breadth and you're looking for the diversity and, and, and the flexibility, you know, one option is to think, I now need to find a tutor that's going to travel with us, or I need to find something online. But because you, you know, you've got the experience and the breadth and the 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 understanding of all of those things, like I say, it's it's an easy kind of ah oh, right, we have everything here. And 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 what I love about it is the fact that, you know, just talking about the sorts of pupils that you have in there, the experience that everyone gets from such an, an interesting and diverse set of pupils, which you might not even get within your normal school year group because you're all from the same sort of area with the same kind of background. I know that's a big generalisation, but I would imagine there are plenty of people within their school who don't have someone who's surfing every day or climbing a mountain or being a TV presenter. Well, that's exactly exactly it. And I think we talk about inclusivity at the school a lot and we talk about diversity and those are really important for us as an international school. But it is exactly that that point. Your, your classmates are from a huge range of backgrounds and it, it's such a positive experience to be exposed to different ideas, different lifestyles, different aims and ambitions. Um, and so for, for students um, you know, in their class, yeah, we always sort of say look, your class is, is not a, a physical geographical class in the same way you are connected outwardly to you know, everything that's going on. So it, it's fantastic in terms of community building. And we have lots of events that we sort of um, will we'll try and get students involved in that are collective community um, sort of uh, uh, endeavours. And it's just fantastic to be connecting people across across boundaries. But you're absolutely right. The convenience angle is is the core thing for people. And and what we find, I mean, every parent just wants high quality education for their children. Um, and that's the, the foundation of, of why they make their choices educationally. And I think it's the fact that you've got that flexibility, which ticks so many boxes, combined with subject expert teachers who are incredibly skilled and welcoming at teaching in the online, online sphere. And that, that's why it works. And just talk us a little bit about the, the subject breadth and, you know, because, you know, like you say, you're, you're a school that provides everything in inverted commas. Um, so tell us the, the breadth of those subjects in terms of, of what you can cover. And also, I guess the fact that it's online, there must be some limitations or there may be those sort of extracurricular things which people do separate, but then, like you say, incorporate around what they're doing with you online. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it obviously varies by a key stage. So we have our, our primary school that starts in, in year three um, in the UK. And so our primary offer is, is very much modelled around what you might expect to see in a primary school sort of anywhere in the world, really. It's a, a sort of class teacher model where you've got that person who's your main contact. They, they're with you for, you know, sort of most of your lessons and they take you through the range of subjects on, on the normal sort of primary school rotation. So English, math, science. But what we do also have in, in primary and then throughout are creative subjects. Um, and into those creative subjects, we weave uh, things like problem solving, group work, um, and, and some of the wider skills that, that we want students to develop. So we have a creative media course, for example, where and students find it absolutely um, sort of brilliant. They, they really engage well. We, we do art, we do uh, music and drama, all, all of the subjects that I think are 
are trickier to solve for are in the mix. We we do all of them. Clearly, uh, the one the one area that's different is sort of physical education, the kind of PE aspect. But again, there's there's ways to to solve for that. So you you look at doing sort of fitness based events. You celebrate students' own fitness journeys and and you know look at, at how they keep active. And we have in the way we timetable, we don't fill the day in the way that you would do in a in a physical school. Obviously, if if the children are in front of you, you have to provide uh, you know for them for every minute of that that experience. And some of that time is you know the incidental things like lunch times, break times, where it's monitored but but not taught in that sense. We keep gaps in the timetable for, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, screen breaks, really important to have that kind of pattern of, of sort of healthy use of, of the IT across the day. But also we set independent work for students in, in each of the sort of subject areas in, in there. And they, they can therefore, from a very young age, start to take responsibility for their learning and for planning out what they do. We've got some great tools around sort of calendars and, and task setting that help them to understand sort of what's due and when. So from a really young age, we're, we're sort of developing independent learners, which is is hugely powerful. And then sort of moving through the school in, in Key Stage 3, uh, the, the offer broadens slightly There's some extra subjects that come into the mix there, your kind of computings um, and, and things around there. Obviously, we teach languages uh, throughout modern, modern foreign languages. We've got French, Spanish, we've got German in the mix, and we have Arabic as well. So it, there's a, a sort of broad, diverse uh, range of languages. And then it's sort of, uh, you know, through the rest of Key Stage 3, subjects that you would see on a British curriculum in a school but with that with that kind of problem solving and, and project twist as well. And then into Key Stage 4, we offer the IGCSE qualification, which is a, a very standard route, the, the international GCSE option, um, which can be studied by, by students and is in lots of schools in the UK. That's the, the curriculum they've chosen. So our students um, then can sit exams in the same way as if they've been to, to a physical school. Um, and at A-level, uh, we currently have um, the A-level offer of about sort of 21 different subjects in there that, that students can um, can take part in. So it's really exciting. And we, we keep looking at the curriculum year on year. There's already sort of, you know, some planning underway for next year and what we can offer. Um, to students to keep expanding that offer. But as you said earlier on, with the scale of the school, it becomes possible to offer that wide range of, of subjects. And I think for me, um, from someone sort of coming at it fresh, as it were, what feels that I think the most supportive is I can I can see it being a school in this traditional sense in terms of, of what I know and understand. Like I say, we're talking about groups and tutor groups and the, the way the subjects are. But at the same time, you have that breadth and the flexibility and all those things that you talked about as well. And I think people being able to see that very clearly, that that must give you the confidence to kind of think, actually, this is this is something we can we can really see and we can see it fitting around our life and solving all those problems that you said that, that people are going to need solving because of their situation. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. It's, it's sort of, it's not experimental. It's not a kind of risky proposition to go for because there's so much in there that looks familiar. You, you can, as you say, look at it and it feels feels very much like a school in, in all uh, sort of the positive ways. But it's like you've taken a school and you've made it bespoke. You've, you've allowed yourself to kind of edit what you actually want from the school. And I think that's that's the sort of empowerment angle for for parents and, and for students is that they've taken the things that they really value about school. And there's all sorts of things that, you know, each person wants something different. Perhaps you've got really academic students who want to go a bit faster, students who need more support, students for whom the social interactions are the, are the most important thing. Uh, but actually, fundamentally, 
as soon as you give people control over what they learn and what they don't learn within within a curriculum, there is a hugely beneficial kind of uh, net results, which is that students find their own interests, they pursue them. Work doesn't become something you're doing because you're being asked to do it by somebody else. It becomes that that co-creation of learning, but also self-led and 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 the motivation that you can get from being you know just set loose on on learning and education is is really. Uh, a really exciting concept yeah I think that that co-learning and co-creation that's a, that's a fantastic phrase and and that it gets me excited and I'm, I'm sure that that's the same for people listening it, it's that sense of we're not doing this because someone's told me at the age of four now I have to get involved in school <laughs> it's that kind of here's the life I want to create and here's what I, what I think I know and what I where I want to spend my time and, and how I want to do it now and, and that's part and parcel of it and I think that can only be fed and fueled by the sorts of people that are involved in the school as well like you say because I can imagine they're they're they've already taken that ownership of what they want and, and have sort of stepped into that environment yeah absolutely absolutely I'm interested about the technology side of things because I think one of the things that people will be thinking is one of the issues that people had was the technology they needed to be online and learning on a on a day-to-day basis. So do you sort of have set things people have to have available or, or, or certain kind of tech which is in, sort of integral to what it is so that you can provide what it um, provide it in a way that you're you're wanting to? Yeah, so we, we've got some minimum uh, sort of tech requirements, but it, effectively speaking, they are sort of pitched around a sort of average um, sort of laptop um, on, on sort of current current specs. So it's a, it's a laptop, a microphone, a sort of headset, um, and, and then you're sort of off and away, really. Everything works through through the platform on the portal. And what we've tried to do is, is take the complexity of having lots of you know, really, really useful and, and helpful uh, sort of learning technologies and actually sort of house them within our system so that there's not an expectation that you need to therefore install and, and sort of add lots and lots of things you kind of get access through through the main portal and then you're sort of in and away um, yeah so tech, tech requirements we, we've we've kept relatively straightforward one of the things that obviously you know is a major thing in education at the moment uh, looking uh, towards the future is this concept of of how you can connect people uh, sort of virtually as well and, and looking at some of the technologies there so a big two big projects that we've been working on and um, the first one is around uh, artificial intelligence and how we can implement that into our system so uh, we, we've partnered with uh, Century AI on a project called Inspired AI um, and this is using uh, an AI engine around assessment for students um, and creating personalized learning pathways that are mapped to the things they understand already and the things that they they need to learn in given subjects it, it's a really innovative uh, system and it, it's going to really help students again with this sort of self-led learning idea they, they uh, do diagnostics and, and work through through nuggets within within the system kind of short pieces of work and it then suggests for them topics that, that they would they would benefit from and, and works across across subjects so that's something that's um literally started this week that's been a, a new a new one uh, for this week and the other really exciting one is that we've been uh, piloting and testing uh, the use of virtual reality headsets in the upper school uh, for student experiences and we've had some uh, an explorers club um, of students um, in the upper school who have been trialing and um, using VR headsets in a whole range of subjects so uh, they've been trying going on geography field trips together to different locations uh, through the headset solving problems in in maths by you know sort of being in the same physical space and interacting with 
objects in in 3D, um, you know, so picking up uh, shapes to look at and examine, you know, to find the vertices, actually pick it up and rotate it and, and look at the shape, which has been great. But across across all subjects, you've done some some fantastic work there. So that's a really exciting one for the future, and it's it's one where um, it's sort of technical requirements wise in, in the long term that may be something that can become part of the offer. But for now, we've been finding ways that students can access that through a browser as well if they don't have the the hardware for it. It's it's about finding easy easy routes in for everyone because as I say, the school is a very very diverse school, and so not everyone's going to come in with with the desire or, or want to do things in virtual reality. But having the option there is is really exciting. Yeah, and it really kind of, like I say, I think exciting is the word, isn't it? You know, because you can see how education can involve it, um, evolve in that way, and and because of the the setup that you have and, and the platform, it, it's a it's a natural step, albeit still still one which I think people will be amazed at, even just thinking a few years back that this <laughs> this is going to be going to be possible in your sort of day to day learning. Yeah. Um, uh, and I guess that really takes me into, you know, how, how did you get involved in it? You know, you, I guess you didn't grow up through an online school. And, and, and so tell us what it was that drew you to it or how the opportunity came about. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I joined King's Intai in, in November um, of 2021. So I've been been with the school now for, for just over four months. Um, and it, it was a, a fantastic opportunity that came about at exactly the right point in, in my career. Previously, um, I sort of worked through a traditional um, sort of route into teaching. I, I did my PGCE um, in history as a history teacher originally, uh, taught in, in schools in London um, and then sort of moved through into leadership of, of uh, history, joined uh, the sort of leadership team of, of an academy chain in, in London. And, and yes, then moved down to, to Brighton & Hove um, when we had our, our first child. Um, and, and joined leadership team of a, a school here in, in Hove, Blatchington Mill. And then sort of over the past sort of nine years worked there and sort of the last six of them as head teacher. Um, so a very, a very sort of traditional, um, I guess, sort of education background in working through the mainstream school system and, and taking up leadership uh, roles within it. But of course, over the past sort of two and a half years, uh, being a head teacher of physical school involved moving everything online, moving to to make sure that our delivery was was excellent in the online sphere. And so um, really the opportunity came about as a result of um, our school doing a very good job of, of that online transition. Um, it was a pretty chaotic time in education um, sort of worldwide, um, but we, we took some good decisions. We, we worked very quickly and we managed to um, for the students that we had, it's about sort of uh, 1,650 students in the school. We managed to to move an awful lot of what we did um, in terms of a really positive community-led school and and replicate that in the online sphere. And so, I think the experience of that and and seeing what was then possible in in the online online world uh, made this this step um, to this role a, a sort of natural one. Really, it was um, having seen the proof of concept and 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 done a, a job of moving a physical school there. I could see. The potential and, and benefits of, of being fully online yeah that, that that's really interesting because like you say having having the experience of knowing what it's like being in a physical school and like you say this last couple of years is then just everybody now knows what it's like to be online and the good the bad and the indifferent and like you say people talking about blended learning now some people are kind of we need to get back to normal some people are like well actually things have changed and we can do that um but I think it's going to be interesting how once sort of the dust settles on that, what that combination is and exactly what people want. And I, and I think it may well be that there are many more parents and, and students indeed who think actually that 
this, the benefits that I came across here and the opportunities are here and the way that you're talking about, you know, this completely sort of different setup, purpose-built setup and, and, and the possibilities of that is something that they want to, they want to step into. Um, in terms of the types of people, I'm, I'm assuming that, therefore, that, that there's a fee to be part of the school as well. So how, how does that, that work? Are we talking the same sort of thing as if you want to go have a private education? Is it a slightly different setup? Talk us around that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're obviously a, a school with fees, um, and that, that's how uh, students join us. Um, there's a couple of different ways that we see people join. They either join on a, a sort of rolling contract by term. Um, and that's, you know, perhaps if they're moving between two physical schools and there's been an interruption, that might be the model. Or, you know, sometimes people just want to try it out and see see how it works for them and their family. So there's a sort of termly, termly way that people join on a rolling contract. And then we have annual contracts in place for, for families who are part of the school and, and, and keen to stay part. Now, in terms of where it benchmarks for fees, it's a really interesting um, sort of price point because, it's very similar to the funding that a traditional school in the UK, a maintained local authority school, would receive per pupil. And so actually, in terms of comparability, um, the offer is, is fantastic value. It, you know, if you're taking the comparison to, to what you may get in, in uh, a sort of, you know, standard school and, and then looking at the flexibility and the aspect there, it's, it's costing roughly the same uh, to deliver in, in those places. But in terms of comparison to you know, a fully fledged um, sort of independent school, uh, fee it's it's obviously a, a couple of degrees lower than that and and therefore does does hit a price point that's that's affordable for for many families um within there so yeah it's it's interesting and and we obviously uh, the fees vary by key stage it's a slightly different fee structure if you're doing the gcse and a level courses than than it is in key stage two and three and it sort of scales up as students uh, sort of go through the school and I think people will sort of then, like you say, you can really decide and, and sort of take that that ownership of exactly what it is that you want, how you want to go about it, and 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 also know that it's it's possible. You know, it's it's probably a whole area that people, even till relatively recently, might not have even thought about in terms of I just yeah, there's the possibility of doing this virtually, and and I guess then also understanding how that fits around your life. So if if you're like I say, there are some people who obviously are looking at it because their lifestyle doesn't fit around the school day anyway. But those people who are coming from a school day, they can see the benefits that they add from that. And then it all just becomes added value. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and within it, again, to speak to the flexibility point, we have sort of, you know, different packages available for, um, you know, potentially homeschooling parents where they, they want to take ownership of their child's education. They want to, to be the, the point of, of sort of um, authority on that but they want some supplementary teaching to, to kind of augment what, what they've already got in place um, at, at home. And so, that, you know, we, we do have some students who join us just for a couple of subjects and the rest of their educational offer is, is either through through the parents or through other, other providers. And we do also have some students who are on roll in a physical school. So they'll, they'll go to school in the day and maybe their school doesn't offer the full range of subjects they want to do. Maybe they, they want additional support. Um, or, you know, we've seen some of our students um, in, in the A-level sphere wanting to do more A-levels than their school's able to timetable for them. And so they they would join us for that route. And it's I think it, it speaks to both ends of the, the sort of spectrum of, of abilities and, and support needs. We have some students that want to go much, much faster than they're being able to. In, in a physical setting because the, the school is, is moving at a pace that, that works for the majority but but perhaps not for them and so they can study additional courses they can they can push themselves further got a, a young man in in our a level who's already started a job he's 18 and he, he wanted to, to go into the world of work 
but actually realized sort of a couple of months in that he didn't want to have completely stopped learning. So he does um, an A-level with us at the same time and he joins the meetings from the boardroom of the company where he is. So he's he working during the day, step out into a meeting room and, and, and do his A-level learning. And it's it's that sort of approach alongside the students where they, they maybe need more support and actually maybe want to focus down on a few subjects to make sure that they, they really master those and, and get the qualifications they want for whichever route it is they've, they've got in mind. We have lots of students who would have a passion and a, and a, a sort of knowledge of, of where that passion could lead them. And, and their education is to support them in that journey rather than to dominate everything about their day and their week to the detriment of, of the other things they want to focus on. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And and you talked before about the relationship and and those sort of aspects as well. And and I'm interested is is there a teacher or an uh, an environment or a situation from your education background that kind of really sticks with you that you sort of I guess you probably use as a bit of inspiration in terms of where you are now. Yes, it's it's that that classic question, isn't it? Of, of where did where did you know teachers have an impact on you and and everybody who's who's had an education has had an impact from a teacher because either positively or negatively people have have you know, had that impact at a young age and it is formative. I think that the key sort of uh, people that I look back on and think about when, when in my education were those who helped to just illuminate one concept that sits behind everything that I, I believe in education, which is that education is a transformative force for good. I, I really truly believe that. I think it's it's the thing that moves you as an individual forward in your life. It's the thing that opens doors. It's the things that that shows you what's possible. And the best teachers, um, I had some fantastic teachers at different stages, but the ones that I think really started to help me understand where a subject could take you were when I was doing my A-levels and I had some fantastic design and, and science teachers. Um, and those teachers, they used to sort of, they'd push you, they'd make sure that you you know, really were working and, and, and on, on, on the ball with it, but they loved their subjects and they could show you how those subjects could illuminate the world around you. They could show you how they could answer questions you had um, more broadly outside of the, those domains in, in both design and in science. I think they're things that help you to uh, to understand how things could work. And I think where, where I sort of ended up in the role I am and at, at the type of organisation I'm at, we are in those two areas where we're looking at cutting edge science, but we're also interested in creativity and, and how we design solutions so i think those are the areas that, that had the most impact and then just to, to pick one name as, as a person who was just fantastic when i was at, at university my history tutor uh, uh, professor and adam smith um from ucl and i think now oxford was um was a brilliant source of support um throughout university in, in just encouraging you to um to keep working and and really delve into into the subject so no uh, some some really fantastic educators that i'm i benefited from I, th I think that's a real lesson in the kind of the being in the moment and the the trajectory that it can take you in because like you say you know when you're in those situations every day it's about doing what you can do for you, the best of your day now like you say the learning experience you're getting now and those sorts of skills and understanding and the passion from the teachers coming across obviously hit a Hit, hit a nerve in, in a really positive way what you didn't know on that particular day or during that year was that however many years later you're going to be you know <laughs> so heavily involved in an online school <laughs> but, but but like you say the parallels were there if you sort of now looking back you know it makes perfect sense and and that's that's really the sort of foundational thing behind i think what we do with young people is you don't know at a very young age you don't know where it's going to go you don't know how your journey is going to pan out and, and which aspects are going to be important so just pursuing enjoyment and learning for the sake of learning in areas that are, are genuine passions for you is the single most important thing I think you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 
is there a piece of advice that you've been given either by those those, those teachers or, or anywhere else that, that's had a big impact or indeed is there a piece of advice now that you give your younger self which you think would have been very supportive i, I think it's a combination of, of what i've just said around you know keep pushing your own interests i think that's the advice that that, that is uh, sort of best resonates with with me around you know pursuing your dreams and, and following things that are of interest to you even if they don't sort of necessarily at that stage look like they're translating into into something tangible but i think the, the best advice i've always um sort of held on to was from you know various sort of mentors as, as a teacher um and in the training was to to really listen to students. I think you know, every school has a, a different focus for this, but student voice um, and actually listening carefully to them and, and what they want is fundamental if you're going to work in education. You just, you cannot plan well, you cannot do a good job if you haven't listened to what it is that students find important. And the, the thing about that is it changes, you know, the world changes, students' uh, priorities change. And so I think being clued into listening to them and giving genuine genuine empowerment to them in terms of how they can influence the direction and and the way in which school works is is vital. That that would be my single most important uh, piece of advice that I've I've listened to and and has then you know led to to lots of success. Because if you if you're doing a good job for your students, then then that's always noticed. Yeah, and you mentioned a few minutes ago the the idea of co-creation, and and like you say, that just brings on the empowerment and and supporting all those things that you that you've just mentioned there. And I think it's a real art to be able to do that. But I think you've very succinctly be able to sort of encapsulate that because I think people can all see within their environment, whatever their learning or or working environment is that if you can start from that point of view, then everything just expands out of it, doesn't it? And then that's a really exciting place to be. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, we all have resources which um, which we find have been helpful or supportive or whatever. Is is there something you'd like to share? And and, and it can be anything from literally a, a song which has a very special moment to a podcast, a book, a film, or or anything which is like I say just has that impact which you you just think, oh yeah, that's that's something which is really at the heart of of who I am or a situation that I I experienced. I was, I was thinking about this, Mark, because I, I know from listening to the podcast and, and, and listening to, to prior guests, it's always a, a great moment when somebody shares something that you haven't heard of and you go, oh, I should go in and, and have a check in with that and see see if that's good. And, and that's a, a lovely discovery thing. So in that spirit, I was trying to think of something that maybe not everyone had read that would, if they had a look at it, would, would be uh, really insightful and, and, and quite interesting. So what, I, what I've picked for you is a book. It's a, a sort of two of my passions uh, as a history teacher in, in, in my first iteration in school. Um, anything that, that speaks to how we ended up at where we are is, is really interesting. And then thinking around science and technology and, and how the world evolves um, was another important one. So a book that I've picked, um, if, if you haven't read this, it's definitely worth a go, is called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, which is by an author, Thomas S. Kuhn. And he coined the phrase paradigm shift. And it's that moment where a discovery or an invention or something happens and actually things can't be the same from that point on because it's going to impact upon so many different ways that, that the world works or it's going to just move our understanding in, in a different direction. And he used it to explain how a scientific discovery or a breakthrough would then change the, the knowledge base in, in, in that field or in other scientific fields. And, and from that point on, new things become possible. I just think it's a, a fantastic concept and, and it, I think it underpins so much of how the world works. Yeah, I love that. It's like talking to my children about there was life before the internet or life before telly. Or yeah, exactly, exactly. As, as hard as that seems to believe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and 
just to finish off then obviously fire is an integral part of, of what we're doing here and, and and by that of course we're talking about feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment so out of those four things um i think it, it kind of shows us everything which is important but but what really speaks to you out, out of those ideas yeah i i love the four of them i think they i think they're a brilliant um sort of ethos to to work to i i was thinking about them and i think yeah, for me empowerment is is the one that i would uh, sort of select out and say is is a really crucial one it's it's the right way to to run any organization is where you're empowering empowering people because there's a really sort of you know business sense to that if you empower people you increase the capacity of, of an organization or any kind of uh, way of working to, to deliver results but also it's a really fundamental um, sort of human uh, need we, we must empower others we must bring them uh, to, to be the best version of themselves they can be and so I think from my experience in education and from what we're doing at the school at the moment empowerment um, on a student level I think is is the absolute key so empowering them to be confident empowering them to follow dreams empowering them to to be able to be the best versions of themselves is, is the thing that resonates most closely for me thanks so much for being here Ashley I really appreciate your time and your and your your enthusiasm and 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 excitement about the whole thing it's really it's really sort of infectious and and I could imagine so many people just who hadn't been aware of the possibilities which are now there for them to to, to go and explore so so tell people where they can find out more information and how they can get that get exactly what they need to to get in touch brilliant well thanks mark and and thanks for having me on today it's been an absolute pleasure to have a chance to talk to you um the the best thing to do if you're interested in finding out more about us is to just google kings into high so that's just uh kings into high um, and the website will pop straight up um, and you can find out all about everything we do there brilliant Ashley, thank you so much indeed, and I appreciate your time and and for for giving these opportunities to, to so many people. And and I think, like I say, whichever part of the spectrum or whichever part of life you're looking to to step into, it sounds like you've got a solution. So yeah, thanks very much indeed. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over three hundred episodes, I've collated twenty resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.